Taiwan has opened its representative office in the self-declared state of Somaliland. The office is headed by Lord Zhenhua, formerly a councillor at Taiwan's representative office in Saudi Arabia. The new office is a white building with the national flags of Taiwan and Somaliland flying outside. Taiwan hails the opening of the office as a diplomatic breakthrough and a step forward in its friendship with Somaliland. Located in East Africa, Somaliland has a population of 3.9 million and a GDP per capita of less than 400 US dollars. Although it's one of the world's poorer economies, it's a multi-party democracy with a stable and relatively free society, which is uncommon in Africa. Two weeks ahead of a visit from the Czech Senate president, Taiwan lawmakers have formed a group called the ROC Czech Parliamentary Amity Association. This group is led by KMT lawmaker Wan Meiling. Its mission is to seek closer interactions between Taiwan's legislature and the Czech Senate. Meanwhile, at Taiwan's government agencies, planning is underway for the arrival of the Czech speaker and his large delegation. The ministry says it's working with the Central Epidemic Command Center to ensure high public health standards are met throughout the trip. The Czech Republic's representative to Taiwan, Patrick Rumla, joined Taiwan lawmakers on Monday at the inaugural ceremony of the ROC Czech Parliamentary Amity Association. Legislative Yuan Secretary General Lin Zhijia attended the event on behalf of Taiwan's legislative speaker. Speaker Yeo says we have two important things to do. The first is establishing this ROC Czech Parliamentary Amity Association. Then on Wednesday morning at 10, the speaker will join cross-party negotiations to discuss the visit of the Czech delegation to Taiwan. The incoming delegation will be led by Czech Senate President Milos Vistrichil. He'll be joined by Prague Mayor Zdeněk Hryb. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs has not yet disclosed the itinerary. We are proactively preparing for it and we're communicating daily with the Czech Republic. So just wait and see. The Czech delegation will have around 90 people. It's a sizable delegation that seems to portend breakthroughs to come. We are continuing to coordinate the details with the Central Epidemic Command Center. We will find a most efficient solution that safeguards public health and optimizes the effectiveness of the visit. Our arrangements pertain to the grouping of people and their flow. All activities will require real name registration. You could say we'll be using man-to-man -man defensive tactics during their stay. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs says strict public health protocols will be in place. With only two weeks left until the arrival of Czech officials, preparations are underway at all government agencies. Mobile games can be addicting, and it can be hard to tell when a pastime becomes a problem. The National Health Research Institute has designed a questionnaire that people can use to evaluate their own gaming habits. The more you identify with the statements on the questionnaire, the more likely it is that you have a problem. When playing mobile phone games such as Pokemon Go, a habit can spiral into an addiction. The NHRI on Monday presented the results of a study on mobile game addiction in Taiwanese students. It designed a problematic mobile gaming questionnaire billed as the world's first self-reporting questionnaire on the issue. According to its study on more than 10,000 students from grade 4 to high school, 13% of questionnaire respondents had symptoms of addiction to mobile games. 
It's extremely common in the clinical setting. Players may develop long-term eye soreness and muscle pain, that kind of discomfort. Mobile phones are very portable, so it's very easy for us to mindlessly take out our phones and play, browse the web, or watch something. That can cause us to get very distracted in our daily life, at work and at school. The questionnaire asked subjects to rate how much several statements applied to their lives over the previous three months. A condensed version of the questionnaire has just four statements. I feel soreness or muscle pain after spending a long time playing mobile games. I can't help picking up my phone to play. I have needed to play for longer and longer periods of time to feel like I've played enough. And I feel restless if I can't play mobile games. According to the NHRI, reflecting on whether the four statements apply to one's life can give insights as valuable as a doctor's preliminary assessment. If your children are spending far too long playing on their phones, you can think of something to do besides confiscating their phones. You can find something that will give them a sense of achievement, something fun. If it's like a game that lets you beat a level in a very short amount of time, it can make you feel happy and fulfilled. The NHRI has also developed an app that sends out a warning when users spend too much time on their phones. Wearing motorcycle helmets makes riding scooters safer, but not all helmets offer equal protection. A scooter rider who was recently involved in an accident suffered multiple lower jaw fractures because the helmet he wore didn't protect his chin area. Doctors suggest wearing full-face motorbike helmets to reduce facial fractures. Back in March, Mr. Lin collided with a truck while riding his scooter. Even though he was wearing a helmet, he was still greatly injured. Lin flew and landed on his lower jaw. He says he felt his mouth filled with blood while his chin hung crooked. He couldn't speak, only able to make breathy sounds. The bones here broke, two or three bones. There was a fracture here too. Through an x-ray, doctors found that Lin's left temporomandibular joint and right mandible were fractured, causing a misaligned bite. He was treated with emergency surgery. We treated him with an endoscopy. We went in from the mouth and made an incision of two to three centimetres to treat all the fractures in the joints. According to statistics from Jianghua Christian Hospital, emergency rooms see more than 100 cases of facial fractures each year in the Zhonghua Nantou Yunlin region. A majority of cases are scooter riders. Doctors say different types of helmet offer different levels of protection. There is half-face helmets, three-quarter helmets that cover the ears, and full-face helmets. They say full-face helmets are the safest, as half-helmets and three-quarter helmets don't protect the lower jaw. Full-face helmets fully protect the bones in the chin. In the event of a crash, a lower jaw fracture is less likely to occur. Simply wearing a helmet properly isn't enough. A helmet manufacturer says helmets have a lifespan and it's best to replace them when the time comes. Full-face helmets can last three to five years. Three-quarter helmets can last three years. This is because helmets deteriorate over time. In the Taiwanese summer heat, most riders opt for just half-face helmets. I can barely keep on the half-helmet, let alone a full-face one. Full-face helmets may be stuffy, but doctors remind motorists that sweating is better than bleeding. Doctors say a full-face helmet will provide an extra layer of protection in an accident. Recent activity at Japan's Nishinoshima volcano has been affecting the air along Taiwan's east coast. Over these past few weeks, Hualien and Taidong have seen days of below-average air quality. 
In dry weather, PM 2.5 has been recorded at nearly three times the usual level. Nishinoshima volcano is located more than 2,000 kilometers northeast of Taiwan. Under the influence of easterly winds, the volcanic ash has been swept toward northern Taiwan, the east coast and the Hongtun region. Forecasters say the effects will only start to diminish on Friday, when the easterly trade winds are expected to shift. Until then, it's best to wear a face mask if you're outdoors in affected areas. Health Minister Chen Shizong says it's unlikely Taiwan will be able to produce a viable vaccine by the end of the year. In a radio interview on Monday, Chen said not to expect a vaccine on the market until the second quarter of next year. The health minister also shared details about his meeting with his U.S. counterpart Alex Azar last week. Arriving for a radio interview, Minister Chen was greeted by staff wanting pictures. They presented him with a balloon art creation in his likeness. <laughs> he was asked about U.S. Health Chief Azar's visit, which produced a memorandum of understanding for Taiwan-U.S. medical and health cooperation. Azar also met with Taiwan officials behind closed doors. For the first time, Chen gave behind-the-scenes details of his encounter with Azar. At this time, the U.S. is unable to promise anything, because first off, the vaccine issue is full of uncertainty. Of course, he conveyed to us his principles. I think all countries would be the same way. He said that once the needs of the American people are met, the U.S. would consider distributing vaccines to the international community. It would establish a fair platform. Of course, on a fair platform, the better the relationship you have with the U.S., the more you can gain on the platform. Taiwan is hoping to obtain vaccines from the U.S., as it is unlikely to produce one of its own by the end of the year. Is it possible or not? Could we have the first round ready by year's end? Will it be possible for some people to get the vaccine? Is it possible or not? I think there's a bit of a chance. Of course, there's not a very good chance. I think that domestically made vaccines won't come until the second quarter of next year. Days earlier, Chen rejected the calls for universal COVID screening. He said there was no need. Medical checkups are cheap and Taiwanese love visiting doctors, so medical personnel are essentially conducting universal screening anyway, he said. Chen's remark raised an objection from Taipei City Hospital pulmonologist Vincent Su. On social media, the doctor posted a comic strip depicting doctors as slaves. Our medical system is founded on sweat and tears. It's my hope that the pandemic prompts this country to think about changing the system, to think about whether we can make the system better, to prevent the excessive spilling of sweat and tears. Please don't belittle your own contribution. The diagnostic discernment of medical doctors who conduct screening when symptoms are present is very helpful to epidemic control. Autumn is looming, and with it, flu season. Chen said that the rise of the flu, which has symptoms similar to COVID, could make diagnoses more difficult for frontline medical staff. He said the government has prepared policies to help hospitals navigate the months ahead. Staying on health, Taiwanese need to wear their masks more, says Health Minister Chen Shizong, if they want to keep coronavirus at bay. Currently, there are eight major locations where the government says masks should always be worn, including stores and public transport. But with compliance rates below 70 percent, the public is not taking their responsibility seriously, say officials. Chen says that fines may be introduced if compliance does not improve. 
Entering a supermarket, everyone is asked to disinfect their hands. A recorded announcement continually asks you to wear a mask, but despite the staff on lookout, some unmasked Avengers creep in via a side entrance. They didn't even forget to bring a mask, but took them off inside and put them in their pockets. In this one store, 200 unmasked customers are apprehended every day. It's even worse at traditional markets. Hardly anyone's wearing one. There are still some places where no one's wearing them. I'm scared when I see people without them. They should set some fines to make people feel alert about it. In early August, the Central Epidemic Command Center named eight major locations where masks must always be worn, including public transport, stores and markets, and medical centers. But not enough people take it seriously. If the compliance rate were 80 percent, Taiwan would be safe. 70 percent is a bit dangerous. Below 70 percent and you're just waiting for trouble to come and find you. Obviously, that's where we are now. We will probably continue to publicize this for a bit. If the compliance rate doesn't go up, we may start issuing fines at these eight types of locations. Mask wearing is going down, but mask hoarding is once more on the up. Pharmacies, supermarkets and convenience stores have all reported customers fighting over masks in recent weeks. Buy masks, but don't fight over them. We've got 240 million on ice. Not actually on ice, just not in use. They're in our reserve stores. So there won't be a problem. You can relax. Health Minister Chen Shizhong seemed rather long-suffering as he exhorted the public to focus more on wearing their masks than on purchasing them. A DPP lawmaker went to Yunlin on Monday to treat police to 200 fried chicken cutlets. He said he was making good on a pledge to give away 1,200 chicken cutlets if fake consumption vouchers were found this summer. Last week, Yunlin police uncovered a counterfeit ring that was forging triple stimulus vouchers. At Yunlin's Huwei police precinct, DPP legislator Mark Ho thanked the police who cracked the case. He said he would distribute the rest of the promised cutlets in Taipei. The lawmaker made the promise on Facebook in July as a vote of confidence in the government's triple stimulus voucher policy. The 12th Taipei Literature Film Festival will kick off on September 4th. 17 films based on literary works will be screened at Spot Taipei Film House during the two-week movie festival. This year's edition puts a spotlight on Shuji Terayama, a multi-talented Japanese poet, film director and dramatist. The Taipei Literature Film Festival will be back in action on September 4th. Movies from Japan, Britain, France and other countries exploring diverse themes will be screened during the two-week festival. The central figure of this year's festival is director Shuji Teruyama, who's a very representative figure for Japanese culture. His creations include poems, novels, dramas, movies and more. I hope that his works will reflect our current situation in a way that our audience can resonate with. Organizers chose films that explore themes like death, war, infectious diseases, and other issues that are taking center stage in the age of COVID. Whether it is through the works of avant-garde director Shuji Tarayama, Joan of Arc, or the film about Virginia Woolf, 
Our hope is that through cinema, we can see these great hearts and great works of art that can guide us through our current anxieties and convey the message that no matter what the future holds, we can face it bravely. The Taipei Literature Film Festival runs from September 4th to September 17th. Aside from movie screenings, there will also be a series of workshops about Terayama as well as an exhibition. For most news, Stephanie Yang, Zhang Tingshang in Taipei. From now until August 26th, you can go online to vote on a name for Taipei Zoo's Panda Cub. Six names are in the running, selected from more than 1,700 suggestions sent in by the public. Some of the suggestions we got had the character Yuan, which is in her mother's name. Some had the character Tuan from her father. So you can see that among the names we shortlisted, one of the names is Tuan Zai. Two of them feature her mother's name. Those are Yuan Niu and Yuan Bao. The other shortlisted names are Tapioca Pearl, Mwaji and Jojo, a nickname given to her by zookeepers. On Monday, those looking after her reported that at 47 days old, she has finally opened both eyes. Her sister Yuan Zai reached the milestone at 42 days old, making the newborn a bit of a late bloomer. The Hualien County government is taking steps to reduce trash at Dong Daman Night Market. A new green certification program is encouraging vendors to ditch disposable tableware and adopt other waste-cutting measures. So far, more than 80% of the market's food stores have joined the program. Drool in and you're bombarded with tempting aromas. Tourists graze as they walk, their jaws working away with nary an idle moment. And as they eat, they toss out disposable tableware, which forms a heaping trash pile at the end of the night. To make night markets more sustainable, the Hualien County government launched a green certification program at Dongdaman Night Market, and it's had an enthusiastic reception from vendors. There is a motion-sensing faucet and paper towels for customers to use. Even the numbered tickets we hand out are the kind you can recycle and reuse. If customers bring their own eco-friendly tableware, they'll get a discount anywhere from 2 and 5 to 10 NT from green vendors. The Dongdaman Night Market has 400 vendors in total, and 242 of them are participating in the program. More than 200 of them have already qualified. So far, about 50% of the vendors have earned green certification. Some 199 food vendors have obtained or are in the process of obtaining certification. The night market administration also provides reusable food containers. Customers can borrow them free of charge with a deposit. If I hadn't brought my own food container, I'd borrow this. But the thing is, we have brought our own. I'm still a little worried. It's hard to say if the containers are clean or if they've been disinfected. But if they have been properly sanitized and cleaned, it would be fine to borrow them. The Hualien County government says it will have the containers cleaned and disinfected by a contractor to ease customer concerns. To maximize peace of mind, tourists can also bring their own tableware so that they can be kind to the earth while enjoying a fun night out.